Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, got my brother Travis with me as always, and we have got a special treat for you all today. Special at least to you and I, Travis, and to anyone who grew up in Carrollton or went to college in Denton, Texas. So yeah, anyone who who uh, who lived in in the Carrollton from about two thousand three to two thousand eleven, uh, and then anyone who's lived in Denton two thousand eleven and beyond, um, if you if you did live in either of those places during either of those time periods, you may have popped into either CD Addict in Carrollton or Mad World Records in Denton. And the man behind the counter most likely was our guest on this show today. His name is Mark Burke, and he is a lifelong um, music lover. But more importantly, he has either ran or worked at a music store for the last 30 years. And um, we have actually name-dropped him quite a bit, Q. Yeah, quite a bit, especially in these last batch of episodes that we've been doing. You know, We've been doing our back-to-school episodes and almost guaranteed any cd that we bought any of these bands that we've covered over the last couple months more than likely that cd was purchased at cd addict yeah from mr mark burke he was our our dealer if you want to go with that metaphor oh yeah you could say he was like our you know our um our jedi we were the young padawan (laughs) There's a lot of metaphors we could throw out here. Totally, but um, what we like, what we talked about with him today was um, just how like approachable and like um, how easy he made it for anybody who walked in those doors to to not feel like they were being talked down to, or you know he wasn't condescending at all. You know what I mean? He wasn't the generic kind of what you'd think of when you think of a 
you know, pretentious, arrogant record yeah, star. Pretentious. Owner. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, he was just a, a super important part of our, our lives and probably a lot of other people's lives. I know we've, we've reached out to some friends of ours that, that lived in Carrollton uh, around that time with us. And, and they all said the same thing like, oh, yeah, Mark, the guy that has CD addict, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was a fascinating conversation. We talked about just what it was like owning a CD store for all these years. He gave us some really awesome insider information so i may have to go open up a cd store right now because <laughs> I, I figure like I, I know the insider secrets i know the i know what to do yeah so we're gonna fade us into our conversation with mark we just wanted to give everyone a little little introduction um we were really excited to have him on and we're really excited for you to hear it um we did want to give you a quick heads up uh we used a different route to get this thing recorded so that it would be easiest for all three of us uh, to make it work. So we used a a browser-based recording program. So it might sound a little conference call kind of-ish in a way, if I'm explaining that right. It's going to sound a little bit different, but it was a great conversation and we are super excited to share it with you all. So here is our conversation with Mark Burke. We have a guest with us. His name is Mark Burke, and he is, as he as he called himself once, a a lifelong record store zombie, who uh, we know very well from our from our days in uh, in Carrollton, Texas, a city that we've mentioned on this podcast numerous times, and I think we've even name dropped uh, the store quite a bit. But um, yeah, we have. Yeah, so we that was a sleepy little suburb of Dallas, Texas. And Mark, you owned a CD store in there uh, back when we were in high school. So tell us a little bit about that and, and a little bit about yourself. It was, I guess I opened the store in 2003. Um, I graduated in 2003 um, college with an anthropology degree. And I could either teach or I could do what I had been doing since I was 18 years old, which was working in record stores. Um, The weird thing is there are a bunch of stores going out of business at that exact moment um, because of Napster or other, you know, pirating on the internet. And so not a lot of people were buying music anymore, but so many went out of business that I, I knew that there was a little bit of a void to fill. And then at the same time, I was able to get all this, merchandise or stock cds and records whatever fixtures um registers all kinds of things uh for cheap because all these businesses are going out of um uh, doing like blowout sales and things so i got some cds at 90 percent off and things like that so if if everybody hadn't been going out at the time then i wouldn't have been able to start the store so like did you um did you think to yourself like hey all these all these cd stores are going out of business is it a good idea for me to open a CD store or maybe I shouldn't? It sounds like you made, obviously you made the right move, but I mean, I was wondering like, was it just because of how, how readily available that stuff was and how cheap it all was that you're like, Hey, why not? You know? Well, I mean, honestly, it came down to having two choices. My wife has a really good job that is always steady um, where we never had to worry about whether she was going to have a job or not um, because it's an industry that works well. Um, So, 
she will always have a job and we let we led like um, modest lifestyles i guess you'd say we don't we're not like buying giant houses and <laughs> stuff like that new cars we run our cars into the ground so we never like <laughs> material things were never our thing so when it came time and i graduated i really honestly had the choice of trying to give it a go with a record store because i i had sat there and watched other bosses of mine through the years when i worked at their businesses um, both big and small, major corporations and mom and pops. Um, I watched them make mistakes <laughs> and I watched them do successful things. And I just kind of took all those things um, in mind and I and I went from there. I just got rid of the things that are mistakes. Um, my only other choice was really teaching with an anthropology degree. And I just sat through a few years of college watching kids not caring about what they're learning about. And I was like, why? I'd rather inspire than than bore. So I guess I'll, I'll just do the record store. Well, you were the professor of music at the store. <laughs> <when> we went, <laughs> and we were the students. <laughs> yeah. So 2003, uh, Travis and I just turned 16. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, 2003. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we just got that freedom of having a driver's license and doing whatever we wanted basically in a sense. And we were also huge music fans always have been. So you were the store that we went to, to buy every CD that we owned. Uh, we've talked to a lot of other people that grew up in Carrollton around our age and yeah, everyone remembers you, Mark, and everyone loved your store and just loved the whole vibe that you gave us you know as a as an owner you were never pretentious which was awesome um yeah it was it was a huge huge place for us thank you that's cool i mean my my goal is to make it comfortable for people i that's one thing i took from all the other stores is pretentious record store people are just the most obnoxious things in the world it's like the comic book guy from simpsons or something like that you know yeah yeah i live up in washington in, in seattle and man they're, they're a dime a dozen dude every every other record store is just they're just super pretentious like you don't even want to talk to them yeah and it is really hard to get a job in a record store because it's the right place right time more than anything else because people don't quit their jobs at record stores when they have them so so maybe there's that kind of entitlement that happens i don't know uh but it it's funny i've seen it it's not a style of music. It's not people that like just cool music or whatever. Cause sometimes you'll see people that listen to top 40 or whatever, and they're still like pretentious in a record store. It's just, it's just something that it's a culture in that store and most record stores that, that has been created through time and history for some reason. But I've made a conscious effort to try to hire people that were not going to be like that. Um, that would be willing to have conversations, be willing to let people know they don't know everything about music and just learn while they're, they're working and have fun. I bet you that was um, like an important piece of it for us, you know, cause we were, like we said, we were lifelong music lovers, but like at that time, that's when we were discovering bands for the first time, like on our own, like, you know, beyond like the music that our older brother would play or like our, our dad would play when we were growing up. So I'm sure that, you know, being able to approach the guy at the, the counter, and not, you know, be slapped in the face or whatever. <laughs> Probably helps quite a bit to like build up our, maybe our ego a little bit and like not make us feel like we are complete noobs. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure I walked up to you and asked you for stuff that you were like, I can't believe this guy is asking me for this. I know. I mean, I told you in that Facebook message I sent you that I, for some reason I wanted to get my hands on the best of Seek Seek Sputnik. 
Yeah. Which is, I bet you that was the first and last time somebody asked you to get. Oh, for sure. sure. (laughs) My only connection was like, I got to see what else these guys do because they were on the the Ferris Bueller soundtrack for that, that funny scene when he's, um, man, I don't know what he, what he's doing. Um, I think that's in the beginning or something like that anyway. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of how my mind works. I'm like, man, what else do these guys do? Well, that's how I was too. And, and honestly, mine, that's what I liked about having kids, you know, high school, middle school kids come in because they're at that point where they're finally breaking away from what they're raised to listen to. Yes. And they're starting to decide on their own what's cool and what's not cool. And um, so I, when I was a kid, I was dropped off from sixth grade on the town next door to us. My parents would drive us out there and we'd just walk around and at night to all the different record stores, but people wouldn't give us the time of day. We just did our own thing. And this is pre-internet. So this is probably like late eighties, early nineties where you had to um, see something on MTV and then you'd buy a tape, not a CD, you buy a tape and then you'd read if you liked the tape that you bought that week, you'd read who they thanked. And then the next week you try one of those bands out if you didn't have something else to buy. So I, I guess like me growing up, not having any guidance and being so curious and hungry for music, I think I wanted to make sure that I could provide that if people wanted it, I guess. And yeah, you definitely provided that too. Yeah. um, I think that's an interesting phrase there. The curious and hungry. Like, I feel like that's, just my entire life has just been and i'm sure you're the exact same way like i oh yeah i'm always looking for the next band like anytime i hear a band that i like it's like all right give me more of that you know let me let me find like who are they influenced by and like where did the sound start you know what i mean yeah so that's kind of the, it's kind of like the basis for this this podcast at least like we're always bouncing around from from genre to genre and well i'm not gonna say that because that's a lie <laughs> but yeah i mean we're pretty much honed in especially so so speaking of and going back to the early 2000s. Um, that's one of the reasons we, we reached out to you is we've been doing a batch of episodes on music that we listened to in high school. Q, um, you wanted to bring this up to Mark because it sounds like you have, you have a connection to, to, to this band in a way. Well, I've for sure, without a doubt, bought uh, Every Night Fireworks by Hey Mercedes in CD Addict. I know that for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and we were doing some research, Mark, you actually used to run at kind of a house show in Denton. That's right. And you guys hosted Braid at some point? Yeah, big show, nine bands. That's crazy. Yeah, eight touring bands that day, and Braid was one of them. The biggest one was at the drive-in was also that. Oh, wow. That, yeah, it was their, their, they didn't even have a record out yet. They only had a, a seven-inch, so they were really young. But yeah, they came and played too. I also bought Caven's Antenna nice. from your store. Uh, and we could have a whole other conversation on, on cave in (laughs) and that album specifically. But so we were trying to figure out, did you live in Denton the entire time that you owned CD addict? No, I didn't want to, I did for the first six months or so. And, but I just didn't want to have to drive all the time. So eventually we got an apartment in Carrollton and then eventually got a house. Um, and the store was open eight years. And then once I moved the store to Denton, uh, same deal. Lived in Carrollton for six months and I had to drive every day. Um, but eventually we got sick of that and got a place back up in Denton. Would you say that, that getting back to Denton was always 
always in the in the, in the plans there. It, it wasn't in the plans. Denton just has that effect. I've lived different places and I've I've been all over because I've been in bands. So I've been all over um, traveling and Denton is one of the easiest places to live because um, most people are pretty laid back and uh, until this Corona stuff, <laughs> but sure, before sure. that, everyone's <laughs> been pretty laid back and um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a, it has a big city conveniences where you can get anything at any time of the day that you need, but it still has the security and safety of a small town where you, and, and feel of a smaller town. So you don't, it's the perfect mix, but I have tons of friends here and um, the ones that haven't moved away. And then the music scene was always strong in Denton too. So I guess I just had a connection to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I was going to say is like for people who are listening, who aren't from the North Texas area, I mean, Denton is kind of like the music capital of North Texas, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the closest thing we have to, to Austin. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it's the perfect place for, for a CD store, but um so yeah, so you you moved. Um, I guess you would you call it a, a renaming, or did you just kind of re reopen? Because you went from CD Addict in Carrollton, and then you opened up shop in Denton, and the name of your store there was called Mad World Records. Is called Mad World Records, I should say, because it's not like you're closing up shop completely. But no, yeah, I it, honestly it was. Um, I knew I'd sell more records in Denton because oh, yeah. vinyls are more. Um, popular and they did and but it is what's weird is as records have gotten more expensive over the past few years um they've almost doubled if not doubled in lots of cases um cds have become more popular with high school kids again really that now that is yeah never have guessed i know with, yeah. instead of going back and um downloading like they grew up doing or whatever um kids have uh actually decided to buy cds i can't believe um, they'll that. get the records they want the most so they'll get their their um strokes is this it never mind um nirvana they'll get all that kind of stuff on record but they'll get in utero and room on fire and everything else on cd you know they'll get this the the albums that aren't their absolute favorite on cd it's been interesting that's kind of cool though i would have never thought yeah. i know yeah cds in my store are back um i know other stores they have trouble but i i was I, when I opened the store, it was probably 80% records, 20% CDs. And then when, when this stuff hit and we're shutting the store part down, um, I would say it's close to 60% records, 40% CDs. So they jumped way up. What was the ratio when you opened up CD Attic though? Was it, it was the other way around, right? I mean, no, oh, yeah. you had not a very big vinyl section if I remember. No, because they weren't making it yet again. Yeah, yeah. The only reason vinyl stayed in print was... For punk records, because punks liked vinyl, and for DJs, so hip hop. Right. So if it wasn't for hip hop and punk, vinyl would have just died off completely. Um, so somewhere in the middle of CD Addicts' uh, life, um, they started making reissues like REM or or things like that, and then started releasing some um, bigger albums again. And then, uh, and it's funny, like one was. Beck sea change another was tom petty wildflowers that tom petty wildflowers which was a ten dollar retail back then is a four hundred dollar record now so that that, yeah i know that new wave because they never made it again that new wave of records ended up being kind of valuable but within the next five years of that they just all the the retail of them jumped 
way up to from like 10 to 12 to more like uh 20 to 25 or so wow i feel like our generation i mean people around travis and, and i and and my age early 30s we latched onto vinyl pretty hard when we were you know, getting out of the house and doing our own stuff. Right. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's, it's just the owning that physical piece of music has, is has always been special. And it's cool to hear that, that even people that are even younger now, even if it's CDs, they're still latching onto physical copies of music. That gives me hope. Well, honestly, it was my, in, at Madrid Records, that part of it didn't really change. I actually think my average age of customer probably went down. So meaning um, we no longer sold tons of hip hop like we used to. We did only basically on vinyl at this point, not CD anymore at all. And so it was mainly high school and college kids that kept the business going for sure. Um, There'd be tourists and stuff, but it was for sure kids getting into vinyl that that kept the business going. I'm also happy to hear that uh, the younger kids are still still into the strokes because that was a, you know, Pivotal band for us. We were like the perfect age for them when they hit. Yeah, I still sell Is This It once or twice a week. Yeah, yeah that's great. Isn't that crazy? It just that keeps on going forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so sweet. You know, the music is just so like simple and accessible. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like garage rock stuff. And timeless, really. Yeah. 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 So you have ran some form of a music store for going on, what is it? Let me do some quick math here. 30, like 30 years, right? I mean, before CD Addict, you, you would work either working at or running CD stores, right? That's right. Yeah. Cause I'm 47. I just turned 47. And then I was 18 when I started. So, yeah, 29 years. So, you've seen, you know, kind of as you mentioned, you, you've survived, I should say, like the, the rise of streaming. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of interesting because it's almost like the rise of streaming along with that was the, the resurgence of, of vinyl record sales, right? So it's almost like, was it like you were able to trade in the loss of CD purchases because of streaming for like vinyl? You know what I mean? I think so. Yeah. Honestly, I think that happened. Um, but then again, I mean, if I stayed in Carrollton, it wouldn't have worked. And so being in a college town with two universities and a pretty um, laid back music based town helped and having a great location. So there's a lot of stores that try to do what I, I do, but but um, they're just not in the right place. So it's not really possible. And it doesn't hurt to have 20 something years of, <laughs> of experience <laughs> and, and knowing what people actually like and dislike and right. knowing your neighborhood. You, that's part of a record store is some stores just try to sell what they like. But the reality is it's not for you, man. They're, they're buying records for them. Yeah. So they need to, you need to cater to your neighborhood. You really do. Yeah. So you got to have your, your finger on the pulse. Yeah. How did your inventory change between Carrollton and Denton? Cause I'm, I'm curious now that you said you got to sell to your neighborhood. I feel like you had everything, you, you had everything that I was looking for when I walked in the door, but, and then I've, I've popped into mad world too, a couple of times. You've, you've never not had what I, what I, what I needed, but um, like, would you say that, there was any major genre change between the two cities? Um, yeah, for sure. For what sold, I still carried everything. Um, but in Denton, we sell almost no hip hop on CD. It's and the hip hop we sell is not what it was in Carrollton. It, it's more like uh, Tyler and and uh, Kendrick Lamar. It's the stuff that you would call 
well, what I call smart rap sometimes is because it's really well thought out and, and put together really well and everything else. And it's, it's not like a macho thing as much <laughs> or something. So that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the kind, and it's not top 40 for the most part. If it is, then it's because luck that it became that way. You know, Tyler shouldn't be yeah. top 40. It's so weird, but he, somehow he is. But so we'd sell that kind of stuff. Uh, R&B went away completely. We only sell old soul new modern R&B can't sell to save my life um, at the new store. That's not even a thing that I think of as, as being a continuing genre. <laughs> I don't know, I know. why yeah. it, it's there. It's there. Cause I, I still see these albums coming out, but in the past in Carrollton, I'd have to get like five of them for the first day that it came out. And uh, um, in Denton, I debate whether I should even get it at all. So uh, hmm. it's a totally different feel. So we sell way more indie rock. Um, we sell tons of metal. Metals come back up. But uh, what I realized is you, you carry things like punk and metal that are hard to find at other stores because other stores are closed-minded or whatever they are, or not, not knowledgeable maybe even. Um, and, and you carry all that stuff and people will travel. I mean, I have people coming from all over wichita falls i mean obviously all over the the metroplex but people would come down from oklahoma just because of our metal section so so you again you cater to what you you know people are going to want rather than um what you like and the kicker is record stores that people don't realize the biggest hardest part about a record store is it's all math you have to you're taking your own money out of your pocket and these records are 20 bucks cost that we sell for 25 or 26. So you say, okay, am I going to sell five Tyler, the creators this week? Am I going to sell one? Am I going to sell 10? And it's like betting almost because you're taking a ton of cash and taking a risk. Um, if it was just five bucks a, a pop, it's not as big of a risk. So CDs were a lot easier, even though they were never five either, but, but the, but the records, um, you have to really play the game smart. And uh, I think that's where most re- record stores fail is they, they guess just wrong on what, what, the, what people actually want. So I wanted to ask you something, Mark, you know, you were, we were talking about how important, you know, location is we were lucky to have you in Carrollton, but was like, what, what made you go to Carrollton? Was there any reason behind that? Yeah, well, there's a store in that spot before it. So I knew there was a CD warehouse that had just gone out of business six months prior to it. And the the tollway had just, I mean, it had been there for a few years, but it was, um, what was, what was that, Trinity Mills before that? But they, something like yeah, that. It yeah, was, um, it was a big exit, I guess. It just seemed like right next to a Target, it seemed like a pretty good, spot and i think in a lot of ways it was but yeah um, especially for carrollton <laughs> yeah for carrollton for sure um is yeah. right in between a couple high schools and uh so and, and one of them being ours right yeah. down the street <laughs> yeah so so yeah it was uh, it was but it was more about the fact that i knew people are already used to going to that exact spot and some people only go to record stores once a year so so uh just to at christmas or whatever so I knew for sure that I would have some automatic business just from people knowing that there was a record store in that area. Yeah. And did you actually buy all the stock from CD warehouse? I bought a lot of it. Um, 
what I would do is I bought all the fixtures and then they left some, <laughs> which is so I got lucky. But uh, I bought, I would always wait till stuff was like 70, 80% off because they would slowly just blow out all their stuff. And probably three or four CD warehouses, um, three or four Tower Records. Um, I mean, Tower, not Tower Record. There's another one, Sam Goody, I guess. Um, there's a Tower Records that I did. Uh, all the, the, um, what was it called then? Warehouse music? Is that what it was called? Or was it block, Blockbuster? It was music? another one. Was Blockbuster Music? It was a thing, I think, right? Yeah, it was oh, a yeah. thing. I just can't, they kept on changing their name, but I bought tons of stuff at those places too. Um, because if you go to the right part of town, again, <laughs> you can have, you can go find Tupac in one neighborhood at 90% off, where in another hit neighborhood, they want to pay full price for it, no problem. So if you if you just play hmm. it smart and you go buy your punk over here and your metal over here and your rap over here, because th- that's not just wasn't what was popular there, then I was able to fill my store with decent stuff for pretty cheap to start off. Um, but then you have you sell that and you have to replace it. And that's where the whole store gets really expensive is I might have bought it for three or four dollars the first time, but the next time I had to spend like eleven or twelve bucks just to get it in the store. So yeah. uh it was again, it's a math game. Um so you have to have kind of like a left right brain. You have to have both. You have to have the creative and the the math part of it to be able to pull off a store, I think. Yeah, man. That's awesome. And you of course had the uh this is a segue. But here we go. <laughs> you had uh, the wall of, of buttons. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know how common that is. It's probably pretty common in uh, CD stores. But like we, we, you know, we loved it. We we had uh, our um, our little Chevy tracker that we that we shared back then. We had a bunch of buttons just on the you know the liner of the car and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, was that we we, we noticed that that. Uh, you carried that over to, to mad world. Oh, yeah. I would think, I mean, our button sales still going up. I mean, <laughs> for sure. I never even had to raise price or anything because, and you know, it's the one thing that in 15 years, inflation didn't touch at all. Um, still the exact the only, same price. Yeah. The only people buying buttons have, have got to be people like, like young, really young people. Cause you got to put, you got to put that on your backpack or whatever. You, you got to slap it on your backpack. Totally. Yeah. High school and college. And then I definitely, um, had other people say they would they would have an old car they were driving around and they would their their roof would start to fall down so yeah. they started pinning it with that and then eventually they said they would <laughs> to put they'd fill their entire roof with buttons which was, sounds really cool yeah those buttons actually destroyed the inside of that Chevy Tracker uh, that's but, uh, <laughs> not surprised it was the opposite for us. <laughs> yeah, you did it before it was falling down. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but yeah, we we sell lots. We definitely sell lots of buttons because, and honestly, the reason why I had those was never a money thing. It's not really a money venture. It's because um, the psychology of of a store is you're going to come in a, in a group. Let's say you two come in and you're Jones in to look at music, but you have two other friends that are not interested at all. They just download everything or they don't care. Well, give them something to look at. Yeah. That's why I decorated Mad World in a weird way too, where, um, and CD Attic too, but Mad World had more room where everywhere you looked, if you took the time, it was almost like a museum. There's stuff to look at. And so I did that for every age group um, too. Like I have stuff that would that my parents would have hanging on their walls here and there and um people from my generation would have and their 
childhood walls and and the buttons of course if you do that um then they're not going to be bugging you two to leave the store because they have something to look <laughs> that's at so smart yeah so that was always that's why i i would try to make it a visual thing as well as just a, a record store i gotta ask you if the fisher price record player made its way to mad world yeah and honestly that was my wife's when she was a little girl um cool we found it in her attic um but yeah actually i i've been cleaning out mad world in the front window um that's one of the only things that's still there i haven't pulled that out of there yet so it's kind of cool yeah i remember you had it hanging up on the wall yeah, at yeah. the attic and you had a bunch of little 45s or whatever yep, yeah uh yeah it was a really cool area well let's talk about the bonnie bray house i, I was kind of curious about the punk scene in Denton, I guess that was mid to late nineties. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I, I think there is a, a generation a little bit before us that started the house shows in 96. Um, my brother and I moved into the Bonnie Bray with a couple of our friends and, um, we started doing shows and at the same time we became friends with this other group of people and they had a house called the mansion no the manor and then within a year another house popped up called the mansion and then we had this club called the argo so in 96 and 97 we had three different house venues and a club so that during the summertime we'd have easily a show every night a punk show never mind well but punk was much more broad of a term um back then there's this is pre um, fast internet. So no one used the internet back then. It was probably just a government thing at that point. But, um, so it was all word of mouth, but people would call us at the house and say, Hey, um, I'm so-and-so and I'm coming through there. And, and we would, if I couldn't do it, I would pass it off or sometimes set up at one of the other houses or if we thought, you know what, you're too big for a house in Denton, you're going to need to play the Argo. So we all just worked together and kind of shuffled around what made sense in which area the best. Ours was the most diverse, meaning we would have like emo, hardcore, punk, you know, all in the same show. That was just our thing where one house was good for rock and roll punk and one house was good for hardcore or whatever. And, and it was just, uh, it, was a, it was a network. It was cool. That's awesome. And you actually got Jimmy World to play there? They asked us. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> wow. the funny thing is there's only three bands that we ever asked. I asked one band, my brother asked one band and one other band. Um, one other roommate asked for a band and, and, and they weren't big bands. They were just bands that we liked a lot. And we, we wrote them a letter like the old days because we didn't have their number. So all right. we could do is look up their address in like a 45 or something. And we would, we would uh, like send them a letter and, and they would write us back. Um, say, yeah, we're coming through here and, and that we'll play your show. Um, but yeah, uh, Jimmy World, one day I came home from, from work and I worked at a record store in Plano. So I had a long drive and I was tired and I came home and, and Jimmy from Jimmy World is staying in my living room. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> what? And, uh, his friend, um, was sometimes a roadie was someone who lived in Denton, um, and was one of my friends and, so I got to hear Static Prevails maybe three or four months before it ever came out. And uh, 
stuff like that. It was weird. We had this. I was going to ask you if this was like Static Prevails era or Clarity. They played, they played Clarity era, I think. Maybe somewhere in between. They're on a major label. And I think the first major label was Static Prevails um, because Suits showed up to the, the house. But uh, <laughs> they, to say, you can do better than this. And they, but they called us because they <laughs> were sick of playing like stuffy shows and they wanted to play a house show again. They were started off as punks. I have a CD of theirs that sounds like Southern California punk. That's before um, that's before stack prevails. And it um, I'm sure it was floating around Napster back in the day or whatever, but, but they played a little coffee shop across the street from uh, UNT called karma cafe. And there's probably 15 people there. And, uh, and, it was all punk rock, fast punk rock. And then like no effects style. And then the next time I heard him was that static prevails. We go to a show, my, my friend and I, and, and somebody walks up to him and said, Jimmy told me to give you this. And, <laughs> and so we drove home listening to the new uh, Jimmy world, which sounded bizarre to us because all of a sudden they're kind of an emo band, um, <laughs> but it still sounded good. Yeah. And so, um, but within another year, they, they were calling us cause they were just tired of, the rat race and wanted to have fun again, basically is what it was. That's so awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, bleed American was, was a pretty big album for us, obviously. So oh, yeah. I didn't get into, I didn't really listen to clarity and static prevails until later on. And, and we did an episode on clarity. I'm sure we'll do an episode on bleed American at some point, but, um, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Kind of like you said, they're like the evolution of like punk to emo. Cause it's kind of, it's, it's definitely a line, right? It's the same right. lineage, you know, if you think about it. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so I mean, speaking of punk, like Quentin and I, we, you know, for us, and you're gonna have to forgive us because you have a legit, <laughs> you're, you're a card carrying like punk, punk rocker. Like you've got legit credit credibility there. If you had a house <laughs> show that had nothing but punk shows, like I mean, but yeah, our our introduction to punk, quote unquote, was like Blink One Eighty Two. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, a lot of people's introduction was either Blink or Green Day. Exactly, because that's what that was what made it mainstream, right? And honestly, that's not, there's no difference how you get into it. I mean, that's the funny thing is people worry about stuff like that. But like I, when I was in '91, I moved to Dallas. I just jumped on a um, Greyhound. I lived in Connecticut, and I jumped on a Greyhound, and I was exposed to different stuff for the first time. Besides, well, no, I was on it, man. But I, music-wise, but <laughs> but. But when you go to a new region, you do hear different things. Plus, in 1991, a lot of stuff was happening. So you there was genres that were actually popping up that were destroying the popular MTV bands of the time. And the whole world flipped in 91 and 92. And then in 92, I got lucky enough to go to England, to live in England for the summer. And that is record store heaven. I mean, there are... Really? two record stores that were the size of football fields. Oh my downtown God. Oh my London. God. And they're within 10 minute walk of each other. And the road you walk on, which is like the British Soho um, area of town, the road you walk on has probably five or six underground record stores. One pure electronic, one pure alternative oh. music. It was nuts. I don't know how many of them are still there today, but it was, <laughs> it was heaven for my brother and I. We were just loving it. But um, so we were exposed to different stuff there too. And then I came home 
And my brother had gotten into home to Connecticut. My brother had slowly gotten into punk and hardcore shows through the Boston's, the mighty, mighty Boston's. Mm-hmm. Now people know him by the radio songs, but if you went to a Boston show um, up there, which they're a local band for us, basically um, if you went to their shows at this point before they were famous, their shows were like crazy, just pure chaos and anarchy and, and uh, punk. They were punk for sure. I mean, it was just no other way to describe it. And so that was my gateway. I saw, when I saw Green Day, I went to go see Bad Religion in Boston and this little band I'd never heard of called Green Day was opening up and they had the audience who no one knew who they were eating out of their palms the whole time. Yeah. And so you just like knew that if anyone ever got a hold of this band, they would just be a giant. Um, so, uh, you could see a lot of these bands and a lot of the bands I grew up kind of idolizing as a teenager, I became friends with later in life because that's what punk is. It's, it was a community where there really isn't some kind of hierarchy. Some people have made it, some people haven't, but, you're either cool or you're not. Some people are mean, whether they made it or mean or, or, or they're nice, you know, but like, for instance, Billy Joe from green day was on MTV a few years ago and they asked him who his favorite band current band was. And he said, my brother's band. So, uh, which was the marked men. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that kind of thing, they're all, no matter how famous they are, they're still somewhat tied to the punk world. And that came from, that generation of the late nineties where we had no choice but to write each other or get numbers from friends, but everything was word of mouth. And, and the punks that grew up famous, like the green days and the bands like that, they, they understood that still that they came from the spot where they had to hustle and they had to, they know so many people that they become the worst people ever if they just ignored their past. So they, they hang on to it. It's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Would you say there's any any genre right now that has a similar kind of like organic uh, sort of way that it's it's developing or whatever? I mean, would you say I, I'm trying to think of like I don't think so because it's impossible now. The internet it's not not necessary anymore, right? I mean, because you have the internet. That's right. Um, it's just it's just straight up not necessary. Um, Bandcamp alone um, could have just instantly destroyed that kind of thing because now don't get me wrong okay my brother still tours and stuff and he still has the same network in place so that that network still exists he'll add people here and there and things like that but it's there's always the same people you trust when you go to a town and you don't want to stay in a hotel where you stay and and who's going to set up your show and things like that um so that never really goes away so punk still has it in a, in a way i'd say it more in Australia than anywhere else. And that's how open our world is now that I even know that is that because of Bandcamp and just knowing my brother's friends there and stuff like that, they have these Sydney and um, what's that other big city. And are you talking about um, the place that uh, Tim Impala dude is from Perth or whatever? No, well that too, Perth too. But if you go on Bandcamp and you listen to all these bands that sound somewhere they're more rock and roll, more like the the OCs, punk rock stuff, um, to psych stuff. But there's a huge movement where they're blowing away the rest of the world. 
Um, and they're all interchanged. The people play in each other's bands and there, there's this big network down there. Um, but like you said, I mean, the internet kind of just ended that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's weird because you don't need it. You can just go online right. and find out whatever you know. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's kind of, kind of depressing in a way. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, you can put your, if you play music, you can get it on Bandcamp, and someone from who knows where has a chance to hear it. So it's, yeah, it's that, that is cool. That, I mean, that part of it's really great. Uh, I can't tell you, I don't know if you, if, if you, are going to enjoy hearing this or not but i mean i can't tell you how many bands i've discovered on on spotify right i mean obviously yeah, of course yeah um and, and you know and here's the thing though here's the honest truth like a lot of times that that will equate to a physical purchase of a record right, right? so yeah i honestly feel like that's what the world should be now is bands should step it up and give you an album more than just a couple songs and be held accountable meaning and we're held accountable. It's probably not the right word, but in a way it is meaning they're going to, they need to write quality stuff, no matter what the genre is. So that if you want people to buy it, you got to compel them to buy it because there is so much out there now that I, I don't listen for myself. I listen for the store. I always have, I haven't listened to my own record collection in years because i am constantly doing research to try to figure out what i should get to sell and then every once in a while i'm like oh wow that's a great album and i'll buy it i'm I'm compelled to buy it but bands are in a way now where they have really no choice but to write as good as they possibly can if they hope to make physical sales i mean because uh, they can't do anything lazy anymore because um because people have alternatives everywhere my what you heard last week was was from a band that reached out to us called Arms of Tripoli, and they did the same thing where they they released the entire uh, album for free on Bandcamp to listen to, and it's it's not even out for another couple days. But yeah, it's if if you like it, you will go back and you will and yeah, it will lead to actual physical purchases of their music because i still want to support these right bands as much as i can right exactly and and a lot of people do i think there's a skeptical audience out there in the world that doesn't believe that that think oh well i can just get it for free no there's a lot of people that support the arts in every form of it and and you know it's kids like you know when i was a kid i'd tape my tapes off i like i'd tape or burn cds or whatever and when you get older and you have a little bit more integrity or you have a little bit more um, understanding of what goes into all that, then yeah, you support them rather than. And definitely when you understand like what, what's on the line for these guys, you know what I mean? Like if you don't, you, you understand, you have a understanding of how money works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, It's like, well, I should probably throw some, throw a few bones these guys way, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, so you mentioned earlier that uh, you listen primarily for the store, but occasionally you'll be compelled to, to buy an album. What was the last record that you were compelled to buy? Cause it was just so good. You had to, you had to have it. Um, I bought a couple recently. I bought the new strokes because, uh, and this is the first one I bought in probably three albums or so, but it, yeah. it's have you, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but oh yeah, they've come full circle. I mean, yeah. it's fantastic. Not we style wise, but feeling wise, like they've, they've gotten their mojo back. You know what I mean? And yes. And I, I, I thought it was just really well written. Um, there's something else. 
oh oh new spanish love songs and actually i think you guys will like it it's um it's emotional it's you could put quotes around punk you know but it's more um in the vein of gaslight meets against me maybe but it's the the singer's got a really good voice but i would definitely check out that spanish love song it's really good um there's a new one oh that's the name of the artist that's the name of the artist yeah yeah spanish love songs yeah spanish love songs they have probably two or three albums but the new one's the one i like a lot um i don't know i bought the new beths because i like have you heard the beths yet no out of new zealand it's a female fronted three piece she plays guitar too i think but their first album the last one which i can't remember i got some covered here it's uh uh future me hates me that one is fantastic um the new one i'm getting into it but i i it's (laughs) it's not the last album (laughs) not yet for me so but that's the only thing i bought recently i've been trying to be good <laughs> i'm trying not to <laughs> i'm trying to buy stuff i only really truly care about um it's uh, it's tough I've, I've been facing that problem too i'm looking at my record collection i'm like man like why did i even buy that <laughs> yeah i and i've done that i don't know how many times uh, <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm uh i'm obsessed with this i'm just i'm just gonna say it Q, you know exactly what i'm gonna talk do, about yeah dude do it again obsessed with these guys out of houston um called narrowhead have you heard of them narrowhead Oh my god, dude! Is it just a um, narrow head, like Arrowhead, but with an N? Yes. Yep. Okay. They yeah, are. Well, it. Uh, so it seems like grunge is kind of making a resurgence for sure. And it's definitely it's it's kind of grunge mixed in with some shoegaze, right? Yeah. Narrowhead is like better than most of the original grunge bands, but they have that they have that sound perfected, uh-huh. but not in a way that's like gimmicky. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it, it feels genuine. Yeah, it's not carbon carbon copy or anything like that. It's it's brand new. Yeah, yeah, that's happening again because those grunge bands, the one thing they were lacking was um, the understanding to get their sound out there right. I mean, don't get me wrong, Nevermind was beautifully recorded and stuff, but for instance, the band Hum has come back after all these years. Oh, I fucking love them too, man. I just got into Yeah, that. their new album's fantastic drop the new one yeah right and it's fantastic because it's finally got the recording they always needed so the and it's not like a lot of times modern bands will over process stuff and it sounds goofy and and sounds digital and but but the grunge side of things the grunge and shoegaze people have been and punk for the most part have been very smart about the recordings and if they're not done analog they they sound like they're done analog and they they have this feel of of um realness and warmth yeah yeah other bands aren't pulling off right now yeah um well narrowhead actually uh names hum as one of their their biggest influences and these guys are like young i mean i'm talking like 20 you know Yeah, I'll check it out tonight. They're on Bandcamp, I'm guessing. So, uh, yes, I think they are. Um, but yeah, they have a, a record that came out in, in 2016, so a few years old, called Satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That is unbelievable. And then they're cool. they're getting ready to drop a new one uh, in August. So they've they've teased a couple of singles off of it. And um, yeah, uh, I was really disappointed because they had like they said, oh, we got you know 24 copies of the vinyl uh, of Satisfaction. We're going to throw it up. So you know, come get it. And like 15 minutes after that tweet, it was already sold out. And I was like, gosh, darn, wow, man. you got to jump up. But yeah, these guys are, are kind of exploding a little bit here. That's but, cool. Um, well, good. Yeah. 
and they're you know somewhat local they're from houston so yeah yeah cool. check check out that record for sure i will too. all right um yeah dude get ready um okay <laughs> so i mean what do we, q you got anything so i mean we can ask you um sort of what's next i mean I, we understand that uh mad world is is closing its doors but um digitally mad world is, is staying open is that right i mean is that the yeah. the plan for the foreseeable future or yeah and as long as it works but i honestly i because there's no overhead i don't even have to do that much like as we still live modestly um so it's we're not like racking up the bills on expensive high price items so we we can get away with me not um selling a ton on the website to pay all of our bills so uh so i'm just going to sell off this stock for a while i might start writing again i don't know we'll see um that's that's the thing is whenever i like i've said i've been dedicating all this time for all these years that haven't been able to listen to music for myself i haven't been able to make music for myself for 12 years so i i'm i just i don't know i haven't been able to spend as enough time and with my family and travel and stuff like that so i think all that stuff i'm going to concentrate on getting my head um level and everything else and stop thinking about the public at all times and then uh then go from there awesome you deserve it mark i'm telling you man i'm ready I can't you've wait. given us enough over all these years you know <laughs> and that's not gonna change like i i anybody ever asks wants to know anything i'm an open book even if people say i want to open a record store uh whatever i don't care i'll tell them whatever they they need to know so i mean uh, that's that's one of the things i have always enjoyed is is imparting what knowledge (laughs) i do have onto other people so well um maybe we could have you on the show as a recurring guest you can if you want to just that whenever you need some something that my uh brain would uh compliment i guess then uh, yeah on. yeah mark burke uh minute or something like that you know <laughs> That'd be sweet the mark minute uh, all right um cool well yeah man uh we just wanted to you know speak on behalf of all the your customers over the last couple of decades and just say you know thank you for you know being a being a approachable uh not dickhead cd store guy <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah, it, you know, for us, like, kind of like we've said, like it was a, you know, you, you played an important role in the, in the fabric of our, our musical journey for sure. Kind of like the, uh, the dealer, if you will, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, it's been awesome, man. And yeah, it's awesome you. talking with you. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. Well, that'll do it here. So we're going to do our, our, our weekly segment here. Um, Actually, you know what? Let's let's let you name drop the uh, the website. I mean, I, I can read it out loud here. I know it's a Shopify site. Um, yeah, go ahead and read it because I don't have it in front of me, and I'm still not used to it. <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah. It's that new. <laughs> All right, so it is mad-world-records.myshopify.com. So you'll ship anywhere, right? Yeah. Well, anywhere in the U.S. Yeah. Anywhere in the U.S. Okay, cool. So yeah, swing by there, anybody listening, and support Mark. And all right, so that's that's that. Um, let's do our weekly segment here. Uh, this is what you heard. So this is our weekly segment where we bring a song to the table that we have heard uh, since our last recording. We do this once a week. It's nothing new to people who listen. But um, now that we have a guest on, uh, we're going to have you uh, supply a tune as well. So um, let's see here. Who wants to go first? Q, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go. 
All right. So, uh, and this is no news to people that listen to this podcast, but I'm a huge KEXP fan. Uh, it's a local radio station up here in Seattle. Most people probably know what KEXP is. Uh, but they, I heard this song the other day on there. Travis, you actually brought uh, one of her tunes to the table a couple months back. Uh, her name's Christina Esfandiari. I'm probably not saying that right. I, I, but, I'm uh, not recalling that name at all. Dude. Well, <laughs> so she you... goes by <laughs> she goes by Miserable. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And uh, Mark, have you heard any of her stuff? She also is in a band called King Woman as well. I know King Woman. I do know that band. Okay. But I don't know the other. So that's her. Yeah. So okay. that's that's one of her projects. Um, she just dropped a new single, and I'm just gonna let the music play for itself. It is. It's awesome. It's it's a little bit uh, shoegazy, dream pop. I know we throw that around a lot, but let's just give it a listen. So the song is called, uh, shit, what's it called? <laughs> Damned to Love You? Damned to Love You, yeah. Yeah, as good as haunting. Yeah, it's kind of like if Stevie Nicks was in a shoegaze band. It's kind of yeah, <laughs> I could see that. And you know what it reminds me of the most? And I don't know if you guys ever watched Twin Peaks, but I have been meaning to give that a, a watch. <laughs> they would end episodes, especially the modern one, when it came back for a third season with a band. Not every time, but a lot of the times with a band in this bar, and it was different bands, and it would always be this haunting kind of like ethereal song yeah. with the, just with just i don't know that feel it's exactly what it reminded me of so it's, it's i'm like, all about that feel so yeah it's cool. cool 
And her um, her voice and and kind of at the end there too. Uh, I didn't pick up on this when I heard her the first song that I brought a couple of weeks back. But like, I got kind of a beach beach house vibes too. At mm. least the, the lead singer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Low register. Um, but yeah, awesome. I think you so you brought some you brought one of her songs from Lover Boy, I yep. believe, which is an EP of hers from 2018. So. Yep. So yeah, that again that was a new brand new single from Miserable Damned to Love You. All right, Travis, you want to go next? Let's let the let's let the uh, the guests go next. <laughs> All right. All right. Mark, what you got? What you been hurting lately? Well, um I the past couple of weeks, I mean, I, I haven't been listening to music as much because I've been getting the psycho in and everything, but I have been on the way back and forth from the cars. I mean, to uh, to the store. And I heard this one band called Then Comes Silence. I don't know anything about this band. Um, and the song that I really liked had a feature, which is kind of weird. So it's usually a male singer, and he sings in this song too. But um, Carolina, and she's from a band. I looked at Yeah, and she's from a band. And I don't remember which band. I guess Discogs could tell us or something. But uh, um but the song just it starts kind of slow but it but it ends just like their asses are on fire and that's <laughs> i think my favorite kind of music is always when artists push push the the feel of it making you feel um like if they can't get this out of their body then they will explode yes. type thing i just yes. love that especially okay. live so that's the feel i get from this woman who's the guest singer in this this song called ritual all right well we're gonna have to let it play until that moment happens because there's no way we can, <laughs> right. we can we can tease that and not hear it so all right so here we go this is uh ritual by then comes silence Nothing, nothing, nothing. 
Dude, I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking loved it. So, um, okay, I'm just going to name drop like the bands that came to mind for me. Mm-hmm. But I heard some like Interpol a little bit, maybe for the sure. guitar style in a little bit, which is like, I guess, kind of a new wave throwback, right? A little bit. Yeah, with his new voice. wave for sure. Some Morrissey vibes, even though I hate saying that guy's name. I don't know why. <laughs> I almost feel like a little bit of sped up Jesus and Mary Chain. So oh, not yeah. not the same yeah. style, but if you took them and sped it up a little bit, I think. But yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was, was great. a great track. Yeah, it's a cool song. Very cool. Can always count on you to point us in the direction of good music, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Some things never change. Uh, all right. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us on home here with so I, I purposely seeked out well, I guess it's just kind of lucky that I, I, I stumbled upon these guys this week because they're kind of a punk um punk throwback here. So I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Mark. Okay. But these guys are called B Boys. B Boys. Like B Space Boys. Yep. Yeah, they're they're uh, from Denton. They live well, in Brooklyn now. But okay. uh, two two of the four I think used to live in Denton. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what's fucking. Okay. Here's what's nutty, dude. I was reading the roster and I was like, I recognize the name Andrew Kerr. Yeah. What the? F- Hold on. Let me look this guy up. Yeah. Because you know. th- this, this is starting to get. <laughs> starting to get weird. Uh, let me look this up here. Okay. Well. Um. So you know these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, do you know this record? Yeah. Uh, Andrew Kerr. Oh, dude. This fucking guy. Yeah. Wait a second. He was in Grass Fight. Yeah. This is Grass fucking fight? weird, man. Okay. Holy shit. This is some weird shit. So, uh, Mark, here's something. <laughs> here's a little interesting fact about Grass Fight. I was their guitar player for maybe two months. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I crashed on their... Um, this son of a gun. So, did oh he... Oh, did God, he dude. I think Grass Fight is dissolved. Um, I know that... Um, what's his name? Um, Nathan. Nathan Forster of Grass Fight. They all moved up to New York, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Grass Fight's dead, but I'm, I'm glad to see that the Andrew has moved on to bigger and better because these guys are great. No offense to Nathan. I'm sorry, Nathan, if you're listening. Nathan's been on the show, so he might. Be <laughs> <That's> funny. Sorry, <laughs> dude. Um, okay, well, that's just fucking nutty. But here we go. Um, small world, man. We're living in a small. Mad world. <laughs> Small mad world. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, well, we're going to play the song anyway, Q. You probably haven't heard this yet. Um, so this song is off of their uh, 2018, 2017 album called Doo-Doo, and it's called Cognitive Dissonance.
That's, I didn't realize that that that, uh, that that that's who I was dealing with here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that is the Australia sound right there, where it's like it, it's like minimalist, where the guys are singing but not really singing. <laughs> yeah. And then at the same time, it seems super basic, but you'll catch these floating guitar lines behind that make it interesting or the but the bass will do the same thing the whole time oh that bass that's killer yeah that's textbook australia 2020 2019 right now oh, it's man. just what's blowing up over there so that's that's interesting i haven't listened to that record in a while but i'm going to go back to it it's cool yeah it's pretty solid um that was the first track off the record um it says here on their on the band camp page that these guys were influenced by the clash wire and talking heads so I don't know if I hear any talking heads in that track, but I, I think that no. it pops up a little bit um, throughout the record. It is, it's a pretty varied record. Um, so yeah, they, they kind of bounce around a lot, but that's cool. I didn't realize that uh, I knew that name sounded familiar. So, all right, um, man, what, what a, what a perfect way to end the show here. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah. All right. Um, that's going to do it for the show, man. Um Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great, man. It was just yeah, great really. talking yeah, with you. Of course. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Cool. Yeah, thank you guys. And uh, all right. Well, you can find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous shows. And uh, every show has a show notes page where you can see our track lists. So that's every song that we play or talk about, including what you heard. Any sources that we cite. I mean, there were no sources here. Although I might, I'll drop your website on there mark yeah, and then you. maybe some of those articles we, we read some articles about you we, we were you know doing our due diligence here so we found some <laughs> dallas observer articles uh, over the years so uh, yeah, we'll drop cool. those in there um but anyway then you can also find us on pantheonpods.com that's the podcast network that we are a part of uh, where you could find many other great podcast or uh, music podcasts that are that are like us and that's that, man. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So um, next week we got a whole new set of a uh, whole new series, I should say, because we're, this is the official end of our, of our back to school episodes. Um, and we're going to transition to what we're calling dad tunes. So we're going to talk about all the songs that we grew up listening to. Uh, we're, we're going even further back in time. Uh, back when we were we lads listening to our, our our dad's music collection so we're still gonna be on that nostalgia trip dude i can't we can't give it up yet yeah. <laughs> so all right that'll do it my name is travis and my name is quentin and i guess my name is mark <laughs> yes it is that's, mark that's mark <laughs> that is mark all right guys thank you so much mark all right, thank you take care
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.